Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning and welcome to Real Presence Live. We are so grateful to be with you this morning. Um, I am Brad Gray. I'm one of your hosts and I am joined by Janine Vitson. And it's just such a fantastic morning. It Here is. we are in the final week of yep. Advent. The oh, antiphons are well in play. Oh, yes. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Yeah. Oh. Praise God. Absolutely. And it is a, I mean, it's it's a chilly one here in the Fargo area, but uh, that's that's part and parcel of being in this part of the country. And we're just grateful to have another chance to talk about the, the warmth of the faith in our hearts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Brad, we are so blessed. Uh, this time of year is a very, very special time to just take in that uh, Advent season mm-hmm. and to just think of the 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 next advent the second mm-hmm. coming and yeah. how beautiful that is that we have that hope in our world it's it's always a great opportunity for us to kind of be re-impacted by the profundity of the incarnation of the christian mystery that mm-hmm. that that god came down to be with us that he wants wanted us so badly to to come and be one of us so i'm I, it, you know we can get very numb to it honestly so it's a great great time to reawaken that yeah, so let's let's just begin this wonderful day on Real Presence Live with uh, with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, as we enter this final week of Advent in preparation for the Incarnation, your Son, although a historical moment, let us live in that present moment of Jesus coming again in our hearts, that, that we can leap for joy as... St. John the Baptist did in his mother's womb as as she greeted our mother Mary. Just help us to live lives in that new advent, in that new um, joy of having Jesus living in our hearts, minds, and souls. So, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come live in our hearts, minds, and souls forever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Janine. Well, we are, as we were talking about, the, the, this is a time where we kind of re, get reinserted into that mystery, right? And, and so our first guest is really kind of all about helping to lead us into mystery, choosing mystery over ideology. Uh, so we are grateful to welcome Dr. Margarita Muniz Suarez. Good morning to you, Dr. Muniz Suarez. Good morning. Thank you for being with us this morning. Well, thank you. It is so funny. You mentioned the O antiphons. I was doing my morning prayer and was thinking about the O antiphons, which I actually learned about from Kathleen Norris's book, The Cloister mm. Walk, which takes place in the Dakotas. Oh, awesome. I'm, well, I'm not familiar with that one, honestly. <laughs> oh, it, it is so... <laughs> there's nothing uh, coincident, coincidental about anything, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, absolutely. it's just <laughs> God's hand is in every single thing, every single moment. It's, you know, we get caught in like just the the realism of the world, you know, yeah. we forget there's this whole spiritual, like, beautiful thing going on behind yeah. the veil. Absolutely. You know, and, it, and it's just so awesome. And that's why we're just so excited to visit with you today. Yeah. I was reading your article. Uh, oh, my word. Um, it was so rich. And I want our listeners 
um, to really delve into it, if at all possible, is called Why Choose Mystery Over Ideology? And I just highly recommend just Google our wonderful guests this morning and, and find this article and take this week, final week of Advent to just immerse yourself in mm. it. it. It's wonderful. Absolutely. So, Dr. Muni Suarez, as we're getting going, why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm, I'm a professor uh, at the Princeton Theological Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey. Though I'm a Roman Catholic, I work mostly with young Protestant students mm. who want to serve God in the world. I'm actually trained in the fields of psychology and sociology. Mm. So I, in some ways, drifted into theology because now I understand that so much of the modern social sciences, which shape our imagination about the human person, are actually lacking in a tradition of the human person as Mm. created for mystery and awe and contemplation. So I mentioned to you just a moment ago Kathleen Norris's book, The Cloister Walk. It was a book that I read as a young graduate student in sociology where I was learning these methods for analyzing the world and ways to solve problems, but I was, I was really longing for a language for the interior life of the soul. Mm-hmm. And Kathleen Norris is a, she's a writer, and she recounts in her book The Cloister Walk why she went to the Dakotas to discover again silence and contemplation and beauty through visiting a Benedictine monastery. So what ended up happening with me was that as a professor, I really always believed in mentoring my students and working closely with them. And about seven or eight years ago, I began to be concerned at what I saw with so many of the elite students I was teaching, students who had gotten in to the top state school in their state when I was teaching in North Carolina at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill or Yale University, where I myself had graduated from. And I began to worry at how much how many of these students told me that they couldn't really slow their minds down mm-hmm. and enjoy these amazing opportunities and learning experiences that they had. So kind of like Kathleen Norris jumping you know, out of the Northeast and driving to a monastery, I piled a bunch of students into a car one day and drove to meet the cheese nuns. Um, <laughs> she is a Benedictine sister who dropped out of college <laughs> and was involved in 1960s protests, and then rediscovered her Catholic faith and has been in a monastery for 47 years. Um, She got a Ph.D. in microbiology and makes French artisanal cheeses. And (laughs) That takes a biology degree to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But what I noticed was that this environment of an integrated life of prayer, and work, right? That's the Benedictine motto, right. aura and labora, praying and work. This beauty, the silence, the chanting. Now, again, most of these students were not Roman Catholic, but they were seeking something sacred. Mm-hmm. And what I've been now pursuing for the last six or seven years is how to help students, parents, and educators bring back awe and mystery mm-hmm and creativity and poetic knowledge into education. Wow. That is so fantastic. It, it just is so important because 
there, like you say, it, it, there's that spiritual desire in every single one of us as created sons and daughters of God. We have this in our inner being, but our world is trying to shut it out so that it's, uh, it, it is that ideology. Mm-hmm. Like it's whoever's in power has control and their thoughts, uh, 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 per, they come before ours, you know, but that's not the way God is, and that's not the way we were made to be. Right. Yeah, Dr. Mooney Suarez, I love this because, I mean, as, as Janine was saying there, with the, the, the saturation of our culture with these ideologies, they determine the lenses through which we see reality, right? right? And that that is really a large part of, of muting us, of, of blinding us to mystery, wouldn't you say? Yes, that was going on when I began to write and really think about education and then the vocation of teaching. Mm-hmm. I was observing at Yale students who wanted to protest about political issues and social injustice, mm-hmm. but at the same time were denying the objectivity of truth, would be saying things that all knowledge is nothing but power, right? Mm -hmm. And that the mission of the university isn't to guide us to universal truth. We can never get to universal truth. We can only have partial truths and use our power to impose them. So we had to right past wrongs by taking power. And I thought to myself, this is not the mission of education. When education becomes nothing but conflicting ideologies, then we're actually passing on, frankly, a hopeless worldview to students because there's no way out. Just whatever group has power imposes the truth. Mm -hmm. And to see students that had embraced this, I thought, they're embracing ideology. So how do you work with the reality that we all see in our culture, that there's a lot of ideologies out there? This is why I have turned in my writing and my teaching into beauty. Hmm. Because beauty attracts us, mm-hmm. and beauty draws us into a shared contemplation of reality. So we stop immediately this idea that we can manipulate what's in front of us, because the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of the truth, is actually attention to reality, whereas mm-hmm. we've been told that in order to get to the truth, we have to manipulate reality. No, right. reality is bigger than us. It's, it's, it's outside of us. Wow. Yeah, and it's just so important because in, not just in uh, pre-secondary education, uh, I mean, there's, there's that need to do that, but like you say, in the college realm, uh, my, my husband and a colleague of his did a, a nationwide survey of 71 colleges and over a thousand students, and there is this lack of hope in them being able to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's across ideological lines. It doesn't matter where they line up. They just feel like what they're learning, what they're doing isn't going to make a difference in the world. And so, you know, the, they did this study the first time this year, and they're going to be doing it again and again. Um, but it's just such an important work you're doing to help bring beauty back into education. I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. I, I think what has happened, and I also have been teaching and studying for many years now, philosophy of social science, and really sort of the history of modern philosophy. Hmm. And so much of modern philosophy, the basic questions 
of who are we as human beings and what is reality. So much of modern philosophy actually believes that reality is fragmented, not united, right? So the classical view of the world, which Christianity drew upon and enriched in many ways, was that there is a cosmos that's unified. And although we might be living in a fallen world that has sinfulness or evil, ultimately we're journeying towards this unified reality in the cosmos. Mm -hmm. Look, much of modern philosophy tells us, no, actually, reality is conflict, right? Mm. And reality is nothing but a series of conflicts. And in fact, progress requires these different fragmented parts conflicting with each other. Mm -hmm. So I think the reason so many students feel hopeless is precisely because they're not being shown that the cosmos, that reality is unified and beautiful and good. And if we see fragmentation or we see injustice or pain, actually, we can cooperate with the cosmos to bring about a greater good that can heal that pain and that division. Mm. So I find that the way to approach young people is to take seriously their concerns about what divides us. Look, all of my research in psychology and sociology has been about people who have suffered trauma or injustice. I've studied immigration from Haiti and Mexico. I've studied people with addiction and severe mental illness. I spent my career studying people and groups of people who need healing. And what I finally realized was that the modern social sciences really didn't provide an integral answer to so much of what ails us mm. because they've become reliant on the self or the social, again, cut off from the traditional classical idea that all world religions hold, which is that we are a people journeying towards a cosmos that gives us life and that we can participate in this greater reality than us, and that reality can can become real, can come into our lives. The modern social sciences put the human person at the center of reality, and this is an inversion of thousands of years of philosophy and theology, where God was at the center. Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is uh, this is profound, uh, Dr. Mooney Suarez. I, I I really want to dig deep into this as we. Uh, come back, but we're going to have to take a quick, quick break right now. But let's, on the other side of this break, let's go more into this because I think it's just really resonating and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. So we're going to step away for just a minute, but we'll be right back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, 
We want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are having an amazing conversation with Dr. Margarita Muni Suarez about really the, the role of beauty in education. Um, Dr. Muni Suarez, I, I'm just so enthralled by what you're sharing, and um, I, I was reflecting on this. That you know, as Catholics, and and what you mentioned that traditionally, the traditional view is that reality has a unity to it, and that it's it all has it, it speaks something. It's go, it's going somewhere. It's come, it's from somewhere. It reveals something versus this fragmented, kind of nonsensical, warring type of view of of reality. And so, as Catholics, understanding that God is the Creator, we understand that that this attentiveness to to creation discloses a beauty. A beauty of the the author, right? And so I, I got a couple, a kind of a twofold question for you. First, um, there's one I think notion out there that uh, can be very puzzling to us that you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's a a purely and exclusively subjective reality. That's just kind of contingent upon whoever happens to make the judgment. Like there's just there is no concrete definition of beauty. So first, the first part would be, you know, what actually, how do we understand beauty, objectively speaking? And then the second part is like, what role does that have in our education? Then? Well, you're right. That for most people, their immediate reaction is that beauty is what pleases me and what pleases me is different from what pleases somebody else. Therefore, there's no objectivity to beauty. Yeah. But that very kind of gut reaction most people have itself is a particular philosophical idea that there's no objective qualities that make something beautiful. While there's a great diversity of things that people find beautiful, the classical understanding of beauty was that beauty reveals to us an order that is beyond the eye, right? So part of what makes something beautiful um, for example, in the tradition of sacred art or in the tradition of, of classical music, is the actual mathematical structure behind what we perceive, right? So the traditional way of teaching the fine arts included mathematics, hmm. right? The fine art beauty was not thought of as somehow distinct from math, from math or science. It was thought of actually as very continuous with it. So 
what I tell people, you know, I work in Princeton, which has a beautiful campus, but the graduate student housing that I lived in was 1940s, you know, temporary housing for people coming back from from the war. Well, when tourists come to Princeton, let me tell you, nobody drives to the graduate student housing complex <laughs> and gawks out the window, right? All of the tourists stand in front of the Grand Chapel with these beautiful arches and, you know, and the way the arches are shaped and the way the windows are placed, they all correspond to harmonious proportion. They, they have an integrity and they show clearly what this building is meant to be, right? So these properties of beauty that Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas calls integrity, clarity, and harmony were always thought of as integral to beauty. Now, modern schools of architecture, and frankly, including the School of Architecture at Princeton University, which is, dare I say, an ugly building that nobody looks at and no tourist ever takes a picture in front of, <laughs> taught that those rules of beauty were constraining the creativity of the artist. Mm. And modern schools of art and architecture have, and music, have overthrown this classical understanding of beauty. Well, one of the favorite writers who I teach in so many of my seminars is a French philosopher named Jacques Maritain, who was actually exiled from France because of World War II and did some of his best work while living in Princeton, where I now teach. Um, and he wrote a he wrote an essay, Art and Scholasticism, then he wrote a book on creative intuition and art and poetry, where he tries to reclaim beauty as part of the practical intellect, right? That beauty has these or these properties of integrity and harmony and clarity, but that the artist, the artisan, somebody who builds things in the world, is a co-creator with God, that what we do with the material things around us and the things that we create are actually supposed to be expressing a much deeper order, right? So the material world has not just a function of what something does, but it represents the relationship between the material and the unseen order in which we all believe that we participate in. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. I, I know like in the tradition of the church, we've, we've seen that in, in simple things in creation, like, you know, the, the sun almost looks like a Eucharist up in the sky and it's the source of heat and light and warmth and, and, and without it, we would all die. And that, uh, you know, the fathers would speak of the moon as, as an image of Mary, uh, as the light that leads us through the darkness toward the, the sun, the light of, of the day, the morning that will be coming, the morning star. Uh, but it's a light that ha that has no light of its own. It only simply receives and reflects the light of the sun. And so there's kind of this sacramentality to nature as you're expressing it, that that there isn't just, it, that art isn't, and beauty isn't just all about kind of me just expressing whatever's inside of me, right? That it has, it has a, a representative, a sacramental character to it. Precisely. And I think that's a wonderful example. The sacred scriptures are full of this poetic language, which both describes the physical world, but also elevates us mm. to the symbolic meaning of the physical world. And this kind of poetic approach to reality leads to resonance. This is what Pope Benedict XVI said really should be the end of education, is this, this resonance where all things in the world participate in a higher order that brings harmony, right, and integrity to the whole. At the same time, 
beauty also has this element of of mystery because when we when we begin to contemplate the the universal order in which we participate we're also aware that we're not ever perceiving the entire whole we're we're moving towards something mm. which our Christian faith tells us won't be completed until the second coming of Christ. But we can know what direction we're going in. So mystery doesn't mean we live in this kind of cloud of unknowing. Rather, it means that we are aware that we're journeying towards something that's greater than us, and that we reach certainty, but the end of that certainty is that the quest continues, because there's always more to be perceived than we can see with our limited human capacity. Yeah, there's absolutely no way we could know it all, right? <laughs> and and it's so beautiful how God reveals that to us. And when we really understand His presence in our life, and we are able to, you know, pray and discern and and do His will, uh, boy, we can just get even closer to taking in that mystery. Mm-hmm. And and that's what unfortunately is so lacking is when we have an ideology that takes God out of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, to to just really hone in on that mystery is such a beautiful, beautiful realization on what we should all do, you know, in our daily lives. And uh, Dr. Well, listen, mm-hmm. go, go oh, I was just going to say, students love this message because it helps them think about how to fundamentally relate to other people. Oh, when absolutely. When your view of reality is that you're you're entering into this greater reality, then we begin to understand our human relationships as characterized by self-gift mm-hmm. and not manipulation. Right. I think so many young people are struggling because they're implicitly being taught how to manipulate other people, mm. but they're longing for the kind of unity that can only come about through self-gift. Wow. Can you, can you just kind of elaborate a little bit for our listeners self-gift and what you mean by that? Well, I think what's happened, because we've neglected the objective aspect of beauty, so much of education is teaching students how to manipulate the other world and putting yourself at the center. And so what you're trying to do is kind of find something that's going to fulfill you. Whereas beauty, going to a monastery, being out in nature together, going on a hike, these are particip- these is, these are or going to liturgy is a way of participation in a higher good, which breaks the self as the center, and we need to participate with others and give of ourselves in order to enter more deeply into this beauty that we're perceiving. So the beauty draws us out of ourselves. So rather than self-control or manipulation, you can transcend yourself and enter into a higher order with other people, which feels so much more satisfying Mm. than looking for somebody else to complete me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, that just going beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, That is is very, very beautiful, because everything we have is gift from God, and uh, and we're not self-made. It's just so important for... Us, no matter where we are in the pilgrimage, to never realize or never forget, you know. Right, yeah, Dr. Moni Suarez, we're we're just kind of coming to the last couple minutes here, but I, what you're laying out is is something that just I think, certainly for me and hopefully for many of our listeners, it's something that just 
it, it hums, it resonates. It's like, I, I want that to, uh, to just kind of resonate along with the rest of creation. And so I guess the, the quick questions I've got for you at, toward the end here is, how is it as simple uh, for us to begin to kind of dive, to place ourselves more into this, just to try to encounter um, beautiful things more and to be more attentive to them? Or what are, what are ways that people grow in this practice of recognition of, of beauty and being impacted by really the wonder and the mystery of God revealing himself all around us? What I have been telling high school students, college students, parents, religious educators, three things. We need time for silence every day. Mm. We need time in nature. And we are liturgical creatures made to worship. So any fulfilling human life is going to have some of those three elements. Mm. I've started an entire organization, Scala Foundation, that's dedicated to promoting a classical liberal arts uh, view of education with its strong emphasis on beauty. I'm working on developing books and resources for parents and educators that would that would bring to so many people the treasure of thinking about how do we actually um, educate the next generation to understand these principles that I've been talking about. There are wonderful educators who've left a tradition like Charlotte Mason or Dorothy Sayers who've inspired a lot of homeschoolers and have inspired people in the burgeoning classical liberal arts movement that see that the goods of what modern education promises, scientific knowledge, credentials, skills, by no means exclude the fine arts, beauty, contemplation, silence, and mystery, Mm. but rather classical liberal arts and this understanding of beauty is what gives what modern education wants to give. It's what gives them the integrity. And what we've been talking about is that without that wholeness without that integrity, the very goods of modern education, our very scientific advancements and our skills and our achievements and all our credentials ultimately lead to burnout. Mm -hmm. And this is what I've observed again and again. So this is an urgent mission to bring this vision of classical liberal arts education, beauty, science, contemplation, liturgy, and bring back to our Catholic schools, but also to our public schools, to our charter schools, to anybody who cares about education, yeah. beauty used to be thought of as a public good. Beauty is yes. not a private good. It is something that can unite us as a people and as a nation. We need to think about our common symbols, our shared experiences of beauty, because it creates a sense that we participate together in something that we're all called to give of ourselves for the good of others. Amazing. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Dr. Mooney Suarez, so thank you so much for not only for being on with us this morning, but for the, the work that you're doing. It's just, it's, it's profound and it's so essential. Well, thank you. I invite your listeners to find me, Margarita Mooney Suarez, on social media, LinkedIn or Facebook, as well as Scala Foundation, also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Find our website, check out our resources, and there will be many more coming um, on this topic of beauty and education. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being with us this morning, Dr. Muni Suarez. All right. Well, up, up next, we'll be diving into the specific beauty of the sacrament of marriage and talk about how divine mercy applies to it. So we'll be right back with more Real Presence Live right after this. Live, engaging, and local. 
This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 